This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing, the official brew of Steeler Nation bye week. Nothing to watch? Crack a Stonies. Pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G. Stryker, and with me is our co-host with the most from the West Coast, Brad Lambert. Brad, you know what week it is, right? Well, it's bye week, man, so it's a very slow week, but uh, it is, man, and I'm jamming out a little bit with NSYNC on this bye week, because that's all I think about every time I hear the word bye week is that song from NSYNC and uh, Justin Timberlake's roots. That's hilarious. (laughs) There's something to be excited about for the bye. There's no chance of losing this week. There's no chance of anybody getting hurt this week. But one great thing is we can talk about the awesome matchup that we just had in the jungle last week. Yeah, man. What a game. Oh, dude. (laughs) It's about time the Steelers decided to show up. And fortunately, they showed up against their little brother whipping boy, you know, Cincinnati Bengals, that for some reason cannot find a way to win in Cincinnati when they play the Steelers. And it showed again last week. Yeah, that was a, that was a big win. I mean, the Steelers really couldn't afford another loss in the division this early. They came to play and literally, you know, had to make it interesting, of course, scoring with like a handful of seconds left. But you know what? Doesn't matter. We got the win. That's all that matters. And that was a great play. Honestly, uh, I broke down that play this week in my article, As the Game Turns. And what I noticed was that play was threefold, the play that won the game for the Steelers, the Antonio Brown play. Number one, it was a perfect play call. Randy Fickner brought up a nice four-wide receiver, the fourth being actually Vance McDonald, not a wide receiver. So we were at a two-by-two stack left to right. And we were just going to run, you know, a a quick rub or pick route to try to get him open with a quick coverage on a quick pass. But Ben noticed right at the snap of the ball that they had everybody on the line of scrimmage. There was nine guys on the line of scrimmage at the snap of the ball. So he motioned to Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown came in from his wide spot and stacked right behind Justin Hunter. They snapped the ball. The defender came up and hit Hunter on a bump and run. And Hunter engaged the block. Antonio Brown went right off his butt for an untouched touchdown because the third factor was they blitzed everybody on that play they rushed seven yeah and they had zero yeah. cover there's a zero coverage there was no safety help deep and bam i mean that was that's the difference between victory and uh, an possible field goal victory i mean it's big we know boswell's had his problems here kicking field goals and i don't know about you but i was a little anxious to see it i mean i was hopeful of course that he'd be able to come out and win one for her the Steelers, but it was really nice to see them finish the the game on offense, getting that pass to AB and having him just split the middle and win the game. 
yeah, man, uh, when we saw Cincinnati driving like they did at the end of the first half, mm-hmm. I was like, like everybody else, they were just moving down the field very quickly. And I, I at one point was like, just let them score. Let them go down the field and score. When they were inside the 20, yeah. I was like, literally, don't try to tackle them. Let them get in the end zone. Because as Tomlin always says, you know, when you're in that kind of situation, obviously you want to stop them. But yeah. if they score – the best thing that they can do is score quickly, yeah. and uh, that's what happened. And when they left Ben, what was it, a minute 20 or something like that, with three timeouts, I yep. was like, yeah, this game's over. Steelers are going to win. I wanted a, a touchdown because I, like you, was nervous of putting Boswell <laughs> in that situation. Although he has looked more comfortable over the previous weeks, yeah. that's something he hasn't done yet, which is win a game this season mm-hmm. uh, for us. So that play call Ben made a perfect audible at the line like he said yeah anytime you get AB in space you know beautiful things happen on the previous drive he hit that slant and was gone off to the races and I really would have wished that James Washington would have got a a better block or uh, just created a little bit more space when AB came up that left side Oh, because for the big catch and run deep. earlier in the game you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, you're right yeah. about that. That was their first field goal that they ended up kicking on that drive, but with a well-placed yeah. block by Washington, you're right. That could have been another long touchdown for A.B. in that game and, and really solidified it. Yeah, and then Washington, honestly, he, he's a guy we haven't seen much of this season. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, after the bye week he kind of explodes onto the scene because – Juju Smith-Schuster has been incredible this year. Mm-hmm. A.B. starting to heat up. Yep. We can get Washington into the mix. This offense, the way Vance McDonald's clicking, yes. the way James Conner's clicking, yep. I'd say you know we're right up there with Kansas City, and that's a hell of a compliment. So if the defense can just figure out the, the opposite side of the field to Joe Hayden, I think we're in a much better spot than we were to start. Uh, September was ugly, let's just be honest. Steelers are notorious for starting slow, so mm. looks like the arrow is pointing up, as Tomlin always says. And stacking some wins, which is also what he always says. Very, I'm very happy, too, with the way the offensive production worked this week. It was one of those rare circumstances where they had 200-yard receivers to go along with a 100-yard rusher and a 300-yard passer. And everything worked out perfectly because it wasn't until that last drive that both Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown went over the 100-yard mark for the game. But it was nice to see Connor, of course, ripping it out, taking tough yardage today or that day. And he was up around 5.8 yards per carry. So that is huge for a game in the NFL. And it showed. Yeah, I mean, I I really like what I'm seeing from James. He's, He's bringing it every single carry. He's uh, imposing his will on defenders. I think he leads the league in uh, broken tackles. Wow. Um, mm. He's he's just bringing it, man. He, he's running with speed. He's running with physicality. And I'm over the top just thrilled with his duality. He's catching the football. He's running with power. And like I said, his speed can't go unnoticed because that's one thing that Le'Veon never really had. You know, he was yeah. very patient. He would create space and break tackles, but he never had that breakaway speed. And I'm not going to say James is Willie Parker by any means, yeah. but yeah. he adds a, a new dimension to the offense for the run game because of his speed. And uh, he hits that second level quick, and you see the kind of force he has 
when he hits full speed. Mm -hmm. And he just, when he can throw a guy like Perfect off of him, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It is, especially when it's on Perfect. And I loved also that he's up there for the league leads and touchdowns this season. He's set a Steeler record. He's at seven touchdowns already. Could be at nine with the way he's been playing. I'm the one touchdown where he had, he did dive and rotate his body and it looked like he might have broken the plane with that with that football and his one incredible catch and run play down there at the end zone that unfortunately ended up in a field goal but he put on a great show and a great effort all day and I want to also let you know Brad I'm really noticing how his pass blocking is improving I mean he is yep. He's solid back there. Before, when we had Le'Veon Bell, we never had to worry about a blitzer coming in and hitting Ben. You're going on your yep. s- our second game now in a row where Ben hasn't been touched. Uh, big touched. props to the the line as well, but he hasn't been touched. And big part of that's, that is that's incredible. Connor getting back there and, and blocking. I mean, he's really changed his game, and that was what something that we kind of saw looking into the season. This is one aspect where we're not going to do as well not having Bell in the backfield. But Connor, man, he's showed he's an all-around back. Yeah, man. He's, like I said, really honing his game. And uh, he's a three-down back in the NFL. And he's showing that and proving that each and every week. Excited about James, Mm -hmm. but I am so excited about Vance McDonald. Yeah, uh, this man, is what we great. heard about this guy yeah. when we got him. He yeah. said he was big, fast, physical, and could be a really dynamic player. And he's proven that, man. You dump it off to him, he's going to run over three or four people. Easy. I like Jesse James. He's more of a possession receiver. But yeah. when you watch uh, a pass to Jesse, he generally does a nice job catching the ball. Mm-hmm. But he gets touched and he goes down. Yeah, Where Vance catches it. And, man, he will just plow through multiple defenders, get as many yards, inches even, as he can, and just impose his will. And that's one thing I love about this guy. And I really like how the offense is coming along, Mm -hmm. and they're really finding their groove. You just mentioned Ben hasn't been touched in several weeks. Yes. That's a beautiful thing. I'm sure Ben's happy about that, but that's a a credit to the offensive line and the backs, like you said. Mm -hmm. But uh, I honestly think the Steelers have a top three offensive line in in this league. Agreed. uh, Agreed. That's no lie. I mean, that's that's something you give a quarterback like Ben that kind of time. I think uh, good things will happen, and, and that's what we've seen. This is what you want to see each and every week getting better, each and every week stacking wins. And uh, thus far, the last few weeks, that's what we've done. Uh, I'm excited to see what the team looks like coming out of the bye, and we'll get to hopefully redeem ourselves from that week one tie with Cleveland. And I like what you're saying, too, about Vance McDonald. And the one thing that I really like that the Steelers are doing with him right now is he is setting the tone for the games. They went to him early and often. I think maybe the first four or five passes were to Vance, and he's – hitting people, running over them, like you're saying. And yep. it really sets a tone. It seems like the offensive line gets pumped up when they see him busting through people and throwing people to the ground. And the defense gets fired up about it, too. And it kind of really is starting to create an identity of, of toughness back in Pittsburgh offense, which we're used to seeing oh, that yeah. from the running backs. Now we're seeing it from our tight end, which is getting – he's getting a lot of comparisons now to the Hall of Famer Mark Bavaro. And that was – he wasn't the fastest guy on the field. And 
Vance McDonald has far faster speed than Mark Bavaro, but Mark Bavaro punished you every time he caught that football. And he was getting to the end zone one way or another or getting that first down over you, through you. He didn't care. He was going to administer as much damage as he could while he's moving down the football field. And that's a blast to see. As a Steeler fan that loves tough football, I just love to see that. He's still playing hard within the rules, and he's doing a great job at getting the even the fans involved in the game. That's something to stand up and tore your towel about when you see Vance McDonald busting somebody over and knocking somebody down. As you were saying, Connor as well, getting to push down Burfitt was great as well. Now, on the defensive side, the defense actually did really well. They held Cincinnati to 275 total yards. Hayden also seemed to, when they were lining up in man, he was playing A.J. Green. And A.J. Green's, most of his yardage actually came on zone coverage. But when they were man up, it seemed like, Hayden, your favorite guy, my favorite guy, out there just shutting down one of the best receivers in the league, again, for the second straight week in A.J. Green. I can't say enough about Joe Hayden. And I I was talking to some people yesterday on Twitter. You know, a lot of people obviously complaining about Hardy Burns and his late struggles and, you know, Football is a confidence game, and right now already has none, mm-hmm. and it's showing. But uh, I was letting people know, it's like, you guys can complain all you want, but just imagine where we would be if we didn't trade for Joe Hayden last year. Oh, that was the biggest gift that the Cleveland Browns ever gave the Pittsburgh Steelers was releasing yeah. Joe Hayden the week before the season started when our biggest need yeah. was cornerback, and you're damn right about that. This team would still be searching for a stopgap be a nightmare it would would be a nightmare it would um but it's good to see too hilton came back with another five tackles a tackle for a loss jumping up in the plays he got a pass defended you had vince william back from injury from the previous week because he he was upset i think that he missed that last game with how well the defense played but with lj fork doing so well he had to come in and show that he can play in the middle too he led the team in tackles with seven he had a sack he had another tackle for a loss it looked like He was also defending some running backs down the field, had a pass defense on Mixon, I believe, uh, down the right sideline, and he was playing pretty well when he was forced to. I don't want to see that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love love Vinny. Yeah. I love Vinny. I think he's a great linebacker, but I don't want to see him in coverage. Come on, man. Like, do better. That's not doing anybody any favors. And you know what? Mm -hmm. He did a nice job, but he also got burned a lot. I mean, they were tormenting him in coverage. Um, as they should, because Vinny's not Ryan, okay? No so, one is Ryan. You know, You're right he, about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he, he shouldn't be in coverage, and we shouldn't be relying him on him to cover A.J. Green. Like, that's just idiotic. So that might change when uh, L.J. Ford comes back, mm-hmm. which he most likely will be back uh, next week versus Cleveland. Anytime it was, like, third and long, and I saw Vinny on the field, I was like, oh, boy. You're hoping for the extra safety to come in as opposed to having the linebacker in that situation yeah. on a third and long. It, it's a it's a pass happy league, man. It is, man. You know, yeah. and and that's the whole point of drafting guys like Marcus Allen and Terrell Edmonds mm-hmm. is so you don't have to put a linebacker on the field, especially one that's a rusher and a a uh, run stopper like Vince. Mm-hmm. He's not a, a hybrid guy like Ryan, uh, one that I'm comfortable with throwing in coverage. And this isn't an octave inning. It's just he's not that kind of player. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Everybody has their role. That's one thing I hope they give Terrell Edmonds a little bit more responsibility or bring in Dangerfield or how even Marcus Allen. We've talked about him. 
give these guys an opportunity to really make a play because, you know, this defense is doing a, a good enough job where, you know, we're getting in third and long scenarios. But when you're having linebackers on the field third and long, it makes it very easy to pick up these first downs. And Cincinnati did that multiple times. Now, one thing that was a strength also for the Steelers going into this game, Brad, is their kick coverage. They were leading the league in kick coverage, and it looked like that they were going into a design for this game to force Cincinnati to return kicks. Unfortunately, it backfired terribly in this game, and it looked like they got a ton of yardage on kick returns, especially at the end of the half. Opening kickoff in the second second half, they came out and ran 40 yards down the field. That kick after the field goal at the end of the game to put them put them at midfield on the kick return, which meant yeah. Cincinnati didn't have that far to move to get into that touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown. That's yeah. something that I didn't like to see. I was happy that Boswell came up and made a tackle on one of those plays, but you don't want your kicker making a tackle ever in the NFL. His kicking nah. was better. His field goals, at least he was making those. The extra points were money. The kicking game itself was lacking in the coverage department in that game. And that's something that yeah, needs cleaned they, up. They, uh, yeah, way too many lapses in kick coverage. And especially at the end of the first half, Steelers had all the momentum. And then you give up a kick return to the 50. Yep. And then they just five to seven plays later, they're in the end zone. So yeah. that's something you can't have. And uh, like you said, they need to do a better job. They so do. I expect them to uh, clean that up for sure. I'm sure they'll be working on that the off week. They have to. Um, Switzer even misjudged one of those punts early in the game, went over his head, ended up being a big roll and 63 yards against, so that flipped the field. But it was good to see Barry having another good game. His first punt was a little short, but after that, he was money kicking it inside the 20s. He had three of them down inside the 20. He had that 169-yard boot, which was just fantastic to see out of him. And yeah. they're not getting much return yardage he's kicking 69 yards down the field they have one return for six yards the entire game that's the punt coverage team is killing it the last couple games and that's good to see because we really needed that help out of Barry to help flip the field and give the defense some help to put them in a longer field situation to have to drive for points and credit to Rosie Nix again he is just an animal he on uh, kick coverage the big hit on that Oh, man. On that tackle, that you heard that pop in the upper-level seats. You know, the ooze out of, yep. that, <laughs> out of that hit from that crowd. <laughs> He's a beast. He is. I love him. Love watching him play in every facet. There's something now that I need to talk about and get this off my chest is um, uh -oh. watching that game. I know it's always going to be a hotly contested game. We know when we play the Ravens, that's our biggest rival. And there, we always play those games really hard. And you know you're going to hit hard in those games, but you know that there's a level of respect. Steeler players will never cross that line to try and outwardly hurt somebody on the Ravens. Ravens the same way, generally, aside from breaking Ben's nose. Other than that, it's usually a hotly contested game and, and a lot of respect and a lot of heavy hitting. But against Cincinnati, man, there is a lot of heavy hitting, but it seems like it's personal when we play this team. And not only do questionable hits arise in the game but injuries occur in these games it seems like I'm holding my breath when I see Vontae's perfect on the field going after one of the star players as he did again this past week the guy is just an animal 
I mean, I know they call it the jungle. They don't need an animal in the jungle to go out there and try to hurt people. And he's out there throwing forearms and shoulder into Antonio Brown's head on a play where Antonio Brown was already wrapped up and tackled by Jesse Bates. Fortunately, he didn't get hurt on the play. He, he did get taken off the field and looked at for his neck injury. Jesse Bates got a helmet-to-helmet hit on that same play with Perfect trying to hit Antonio Brown as hard as he could in the head. And that's dangerous to his mm-hmm. own players. He went out of the game for a couple plays. So you've got a guy yep. with reckless abandon playing the game now, and he's blinded by rage to inflict injuries to players. I mean, this guy is the equivalent of Tom Wilson in the NHL. And the NHL finally said enough is enough with this headhunting goon and said, you got, you're out for 20 games, and that's a quarter of the season. I think the NFL has to get to this point, especially when they're supposed to be the league that is looking out for the health and welfare of the players. seems like the only health and welfare they're looking out for is for the quarterbacks. What happens to the running back? What happens to the receivers now? I mean, they're getting killed across the middle of the field. And I watched Vontaze in that game, the first attempted quarterback sneak that Ben ran, if you remember that, which was a surprise that we even just tried to run a quarterback sneak on third and two. On the first drive, Ben lowers his head, starts pushing, and Vontae is perfect, lowers his head and lunges at Ben. Fortunately, Ben bounced off a of Pouncey to the right, and perfect goes right by him because he was looking to inflict as much pain as he could on Ben's helmet. That was targeted. Oh, of course. And yep. fortunately, Ben did not get hit in that play, and when Vontae's perfect stood up and started smiling and laughing with Ben, I think he was more surprised that Ben was still walking as opposed to oh, for sure. being jovial, which I've never seen out of that guy. He had another uh, hel- helmet strike on Connor in the game. I just noticed just watching the replay this morning, he speared Juju Schuster-Smith on his first catch on the winning drive. Fortunately, Juju was able to shake that off and continue and have two more catches to get us into range for that A-B play. And then off of Connor's first touchdown, he's standing in the end zone. He knows that it's a touchdown. He leans in with his knee and knees Connor in the helmet while he's going down, steps over Connor, and straddles his neck. So when Connor yep. stands up, he's got to stand up through the guy. Now, if you play football, you know that that's an actual move that people do to try to get people upset and pissed off at you and hopefully try to get a, yep. a penalty or a foul. Usually it happens in the middle of the field and not in an end zone. But you know he's doing that with intent. He gets up. There's a little scrum that happens. He goes down like he's a, a Duke guard in basketball taking a charge. I mean, he goes flying down the back of the end zone trying to get a, a call, but that seems to be Vontae's game now. He doesn't want to play the game of football. He wants to play the game of Vontae's perfect, which is try to try to hurt people or try to do dumb things to get calls. Vontae's is he's garbage. I mean, he, he's <laughs> not out there playing football. Yeah. He's out there trying to hurt people. I think we all saw the two and a half minute video that was put out a few days ago after the game mm. that just it's all film showcasing and highlighting his dirty, late, violent, and just not necessary hits. It is. And uh, even Joe Thomas was like, what else does this guy have to do before the NFL takes a suspension seriously for this guy? And uh, like you said, like Tom Wilson in hockey, the few game suspension obviously doesn't matter. Yeah. So, you know, if Martavis Bryant can get suspended for an entire season yeah. for marijuana, I yes. mean, my goodness. Right, for smoking up. weed. 
<laughs> yeah, like, come on, guys. Like, and that's the thing. It, it's so bad. And after he knocked AB out of it, out of the game for a few plays, mm. he apparently then said on on the radio the day after the game that he pointed at Juju Smith-Schuster and said, "You're next." Wow. And he said it twice. Mm. And Ben at the huddle was like, "Is this guy serious?" Mm. And yeah, he's he's absolutely serious. He doesn't care about playing the game. As you said, yeah. when he hit Antonio Brown and hurt his own teammate in the process, this guy is out there and he's trying to inflict pain and hurt people. And in this video, the two and a half minute video, which is going around on Twitter, mm-hmm. check it out. Um, that's all he's doing. You know, he tackled Cam Newton a few years back on the goal line and he rolled yep. like an alligator would. Exactly. And trying to like just completely twist his ankle and you're talking about a grown ass man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's very strong. So you can imagine the force that is inflicted on the ankle or whatever <laughs> body part that he's trying to rip off. Yes. So it's just it's something has to be done because this clown is gonna hurt somebody. And when I say hurt someone, I mean like life altering injury. We saw what happened at Ryan Shazier last year and it wasn't a violent play, it wasn't a dirty play, but yeah. that was just him playing football. Yeah. But that's the kind of injury that could happen exactly. because Vontez is out there trying to hurt people, okay? And that's something that the NFL honestly can't afford, um, especially when they're claiming, yeah, we're trying to make the game safer and blah, yeah. blah, blah. No, you're not. No. Not when you're letting a guy like that walk out there every Sunday and, and you're not doing anything. So that's all I'll say about him. He's a piece of work. He's not a good dude. I'm not. I'm. I'm over his shenanigans. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but I'm also super heated up about this. Uh, the two-minute video is at the bottom of the article I just wrote yesterday for SteelerNation.com. Go jump on SteelerNation.com and check out the article. Vontae's perfect has no place in this NFL. When I was researching him, I chronicled all of his hits and late hits. I got down to. There's 29 instances on my spreadsheet, and I actually have the spreadsheet linked after the video if anybody wants to see it. But, I mean, he starts off his career, I mean, they knew coming out of, out of college what type of guy Vontaze Perfect was. In yeah. high school, he dives low at Matt Barkley's knees. He headbutts an OSU quarterback, Ryan Katz, and gets suspended for a game because of that, and that was completely after the play as well. He pushes a ref hard from behind. He has 22 personal fouls in college, and that factored in to when he was drafted, or excuse me, not drafted, because he's a first-round talent. I mean, the guy can play sideline to sideline. He can hit. He can cover. He reads plays excellently. I mean, he is a great football player. The problem is he doesn't have it between the ears, and he doesn't know how to turn off being a football player to being somebody that's out there to hurt somebody. And that's Let let me just say this hmm? real quick. Sure. Vontez has an issue. Yeah. Like, he needs help. Yes. He has he is violent and aggressive tendencies that he needs literal therapy for, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, th- this isn't, like, choosing to do it or not. Yeah. I honestly think it's an issue. Like, this guy needs help. So that that's why I can't stress enough that this the NFL needs to remove this guy from the game for an extensive amount of time. Yep. Because... Uh, fines don't seem to matter to this guy. Nope. Four-game suspensions don't seem to matter to this guy. But if you sit him down for a year or more, I think that might be a wake-up call. But I also think they need to tell him, you need to get therapy. 
because there's no other excuse or reason for the consistent violent behavior that this guy has. I'm with you. I, I don't want him in the league at all. I just think he's a danger. I mean, we've already got 29 instances, well, 20 in the NFL, of him already being suspended. He's already lost $4 million in salary and fines alone. That does nothing. Finding him, like you're saying, does absolutely nothing. And nothing. unless the NFL puts on a set and raises the pair and, and says, look, we're going to make an example out of Vontae's perfect because we have to. I mean, the guy is easily the biggest proponent of playing the game dangerously with intent to injure people. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm absolutely done with watching that guy try to take cheap shots when he's already knocked out all of the big players on the Steelers, at least for part of the season with Antonio Brown's hit in the playoffs. Couldn't play in the playoffs the rest of that, that year. He knocked Ben out of that same game, came around and shouldered him in the, in the, uh, or need him in the shoulder. And Ben was out for a few series and fortunately came back to win that game, but landed on Le'Veon Bell out of bounds, put all of his weight on his legs and knocked out his ACL. I mean, this guy just, he's not there to play football. He's there. He's there to play his own game, which is, which is to injure the other team to show you're the toughest guy on the block. He's playing it like a fighter. And, you know, I understand that. And I understand you have to be aggressive to play middle linebacker in the NFL, but he's playing it in a way that separates himself from any, everyone else in the league. The NFL just has to drop the hammer on that guy. I mean, there's no other way in my opinion, because what's it going to take the, the, the 22nd or the 23rd offense, or like you're saying, God forbid he goes out and really injures somebody. So they can't even walk or play football again. I mean, when is yeah. enough enough? And I think it's enough now. And hopefully the NFL has reviewed those three plays. We'll probably get some word about it today since today's Thursday, and that's usually the day they come out with fines. He's going to get fined. Yeah. He'll get fined, and that, that won't do anything. No, I mean, won't. he'll probably go out this week and hurt somebody else. And, you know, eventually maybe the NFL will wake up and do something. But, unfortunately, I think it'll be when somebody gets seriously, seriously injured. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate, but the one thing I had a discussion with somebody on Twitter and uh-huh. someone was saying that a dirty hit in an illegal play are the same thing. And I was like, uh, a, a dirty play or hit can be illegal, mm-hmm. but an illegal play or hit does not mean it's dirty. Yes. They're not the same thing. Yes. One is a penalty. And, the other is intent. What, yeah. Yeah. You know, in illegal formations, that's not a dirty play. No. <laughs> you know, like it, it's literally dirty like, formation. People's arguments are, are Twitter or just yeah. stupid. Like a horse collar tackle, that's that's the verge of dirty, but mm-hmm. I, uh, it can honestly be where like your hand slips and you grab the back, you know. But my point is, like, what Vontez Burfecht does day mm-hmm. in and day out, he's a dirty player. Dante Stallworth on Twitter yesterday said, I'm very reluctant to call a player dirty. In my opinion, for one to earn that label, it must be blatant that you are intentionally trying to injure other players with dirty play. Yes. With that said, Vontez Burfecht is a dirty player. Couldn't be said better myself. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think that's, well, once again, he was commenting on the two-and-a-half-minute video yeah. of, of highlights. Yep. You know, people always used to say James Harrison was a dirty player. But I guarantee you, after his extensive career, mind you, he did play in a different time mm-hmm. where the where the rules were not as uh, tight as they are now. But I never looked at James and said he's a dirty player. And I never thought he was out there trying to intentionally injure and alter 
other players' lives. Yeah. But Vontez Perfect, that's what he does day in and day out. And that's a great point also because the NFL at that time was trying to make sure that people weren't going to kill receivers coming over the middle of the field, defenseless receivers. And yeah. they made an example out of James Harrison. Now, James Harrison was fined extensively that season. He had his $100,000 yeah. in fines that season. From that season on, not a single fine. He learned yeah. his lesson. He knew he changed his game slightly, so he knew if receivers were coming in in a certain way, he knew he could not hit them in a certain way or he had to go lower. And he did, and he changed sure, his game, no, and, he, yeah, but and that's why he's a great player. Here's my thing. Yeah. These guys are running full speed. Yes. And and they are the top athletes in, in the league, right? True. So I understand, you know, having maybe one or two helmet-to-helmet hits that look really bad. I mean, that's just the nature of the game. But once again, we're talking about a two-and-a-half-minute video yep. of this guy's career where he hasn't been in the league very long. It's not like he's played for 20 years. No. You know what I mean? I Since mean, the video starts, I think it's, yeah, 2013. It's yep. 2018. Yeah. Like, that's absurd, man. And he you hasn't know? even played so never. He's only played in 16 games one season. I mean, we're talking about shortened seasons a lot of these times. He's had, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's really it, only it, it, three it, or four it, full seasons I, of play, if you're thinking about it. It's just bad, man. It, it's really bad. And like you said, this is the last thing I'll say about it. Yeah. When we would play the Ravens, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Yep. You know, Suggs I never and... was worried about them doing dirty things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I knew it would be a physical game. Mm-hmm. I knew there was a chance for injury, mm-hmm. but just because the game was being so physical. But I never was like, oh, that Ray Lewis or that Ed Reed. He's going to take a shot at Ben. Or, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. You're never, right. That's never, never ever, ever, ever. You would be in a tough situation to find a harder-hitting rivalry than Steelers-Ravens back in the day. Exactly. You know, even now. Even now, Terrell Suggs. Never looked at him as a dirty player. Mm-hmm. I, I did not like him whatsoever. We talked about that a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> but that's out of just respect. But, man, when I say I don't like Vontez Perfect, I don't like him as a player, and I don't like him as a person. He does not deserve to be in the National Football League, and that's the last thing I'll say about it. Not at all. And it was nice to see, since you're mentioning Suggs, I saw a picture on the – internet yesterday or, or the day before of Suggs and Roethlisberger trading jerseys after the game, which is, it's beautiful. I mean, you know, there's, respect. you know, there's huge competitors and they hate each other on the field, but that respect is there. And yep. Suggs even came out and said, look, I don't like the Pittsburgh Steelers at all, but I would not be the player I am today unless I played the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's because of the Pittsburgh Steelers is why I'm as good as I am today. And I've, and that's just a very respectful thing about the biggest rivalry and, to me, the best rivalry in football. And that's the difference. But the good thing coming out of the game, nobody got injured. We had some minor injuries happen. I know Joe Hayden banged up his wrist. He came out for a couple of plays in the first drive or the second drive of the game. Um, Antonio Brown, we discussed, came off the field for a little bit, came back on. I know there's a couple other minor things that happened. But fortunately... We got through the jungle without a single major injury. We're just still dealing on the injuries that are from the players, the three players that missed the game previously. We got Hayward Bay, which still has his ankle, and LJ Fort had an ankle injury as well, but hopefully LJ Fort will be able to work his way back. Now, talking about Morgan Burnett, I just read today, and he was discussing it as well. I thought he had a hamstring injury. Today it came out that they were discussing that it's actually a groin injury. And when you get that 
upper upper groin area is a lot harder to recover from. And a report came out saying he may not be ready after the bye week. I'm, of course, hoping he is. I'd like to get him back in there and make him plays again, too. But that's just something to, to, to keep an eye on is it's now it's being ruled as a groin and not as a hamstring as we previously thought. So, Brad, mm-hmm. I know you've been um, all over the Twitterverse. What is your hot take? Recently, uh, Arizona came out and said that Patrick Peterson is on the trade block. Mm. And uh, we all know who he is. He's one of the best corners of the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, shutdown corner playmaker in the kick return game. He came out of LSU. Really, really, really talented player. And, man, uh, I went on Twitter yesterday, uh-huh. and I said the Steelers need to throw everything at Arizona to land Patrick Peterson. I don't care if they give a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they give multiple picks. Mm-hmm. Put it this way. I just said a few minutes ago that the Steelers would be in deep trouble mm-hmm. if they did not acquire Joe Hayden last year. Damn right. Imagine imagine having the other side locked down yep. by a player like Patrick Peterson. Wow. That would immediately catapult the Steelers to probably the AFC favorites mm-hmm. and maybe even NFL favorites. Because the biggest glaring issue with this football team is the secondary. Yeah. And in a pass-happy league, of course, you're going to say the Steelers' defense is terrible mm-hmm. because Joe's locking down his side of the field, yeah. but that still gives you a whole other side of the field to torment, and that's exactly what these teams do. Okay? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Artie's struggling this year, and that's, that's part of it. It happens, you know, but Cody Sansabaugh, Cam Sutton, these guys are not the answer. I love Mike Hilton, yeah. but he plays on the inside. Yeah, he's in, yeah. Okay, and so and Sutton, exactly Sutton's, where he Sutton's strength is on the inside as well. I mean, he's making yeah. some good plays so in the middle. You need another guy to come in and lock down that other side. Yeah, and you're telling me, okay, we our our championship window, as everybody always talks about, with Ben, with AB, with Bell, whoever, right? They always said we probably have two to five years left. You know, Ben could retire after the season. No one knows. But I would say we have two to five years left with Ben, with AB, you know, with Bell. That was last year's conversation. But my point is with those guys, that's what you have. So go all in now. Give Arizona a first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick, whatever package up, you know, compensation, maybe a player, you know, have that conversation. I just want an yeah. effort. Like Colbert, get on the phone and talk to these guys. Because if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, I don't want to trade Patrick Peterson to another NFC team, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So get him out of the conference and put him in the AFC. But if I'm also Kevin Colbert, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want Patrick Peterson going to the Kansas City Chiefs yeah. or the New England Patriots. Yes. Because you know damn well that the Chiefs who have the similar issues as the Steelers, their mm. defense is trash. Man, if they pick up Patrick Peterson. Yeah. To oh pair back there goodness. with Barry, that would be yeah. a dangerous, yeah, dangerous over. defense. You, you you might as well give them the Lombardi now because mm. they may have just lost to New England. Yeah. But that was a very close game. It was. Okay? It, it was. came down to one defensive stop, mm. you know, one turnover, whatever. That's mm. how these games are. Yeah. So if I'm Kevin Colbert, I don't want – to even give Kansas City or New England that opportunity 
to even think about acquiring Patrick Peterson. So, you know, and, and you know, let, you can talk about the Ravens, you can talk about the Bengals, you can talk about any of these other teams that are threatening the AFC for the Steelers. Yeah. you you got to make a move, you know, and, and a lot of people on Twitter yesterday were like, yeah, well, Brad, they the Steelers don't operate like that. Well, the Steelers they need to generally a team to uh, acquire Joe Hayden in yeah. that scenario either, yeah. but they did, and look how that worked out. Mm-hmm. So, and the other thing is, we've looked at our first round picks over the last umpty dump years. Mm-hmm. There's a handful of players that have worked out, mm-hmm. a handful. Okay, that that that's not working, man. You know, and and generally the Steelers are drafting late 20s, early 30s, yeah. which is a great, that means you had a great season. Yes, awesome. it does. Yeah. But at the same time, it's really tough to get a dynamic player, especially the level of Patrick Peterson, at where you're going to be drafting most likely this year. And so would, why the hell not give yeah. him a first-round pick and acquire this playmaker, and you will solidify your secondary for the next two to five years. Okay, okay. And hands that, down. And I agree with you, too. If you're going to be giving away that first-round pick and that move makes it so that they're getting the number 32 pick in the first round, that pick was worth it. And that is the yeah. pick. That is a move. You're right. The Steelers need to make something, make a move like this. And it, the best time to do it would be during the bye week. This is a time to get somebody else up to speed, give them a little extra time to, to learn the defense, and hopefully they can make something work. Now the only X factor I think that they have is – making sure that they can fit under the cap and the other elephant in the room would be Le'Veon Bell, whether or not he's going to join the team. If he does, well, there's, you know, $9 million back on the books. How do you make the space? Do you release Le'Veon Bell? Do you try to make a trade for Le'Veon Bell? If he signs his tender, obviously you can't do anything until he signs his tender. But unfortunately, they're too bad that Arizona doesn't need a running back because if they did – to me, that's a no-brainer swap. Here, you, you take Bell, and you like Steeler players anyway. You know how this guy plays. We'll take Peterson. Hands wiped, game over. Done. But uh, but they've got a pretty talented ba- back over there as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, they got David Johnson out yeah. there. He's a stud. Um, I don't really see the, you know, I read an article recently that said the Steelers have a 2.8 chance of trading for Patrick Peterson with Le'Veon Bell attached. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Like yeah. that just doesn't make sense. Now but maybe maybe a three way you know, trade you can get involved, but that's very well, rare in exactly. the NFL, as you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but but you know, weirder, stranger things have happened. Um, but uh, you know, Philadelphia's been, you know, sniffing around Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that would be an interesting three way trade there. Yeah. Send Bell to Philly. Philly hands out draft picks, picks or maybe a player, you know, and yeah. go right to AZ and get Patrick Peterson. So yeah, I, my thing is. I just want an effort. You know, traditionally, this isn't something that the Steelers do. But once again, man, like, you know, a lot of people yesterday were like, oh, but you're jeopardizing the future of this team, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Look, man, let's be honest. You know, I hope the Steelers are still top, you know, favorites, you know, have a great chance to be who they are year in and year out after Ben and AD and those guys leave. Yeah. But this is the NFL, man. It mm-hmm. is so tough. Look at the Cleveland Browns. They haven't had a franchise quarterback in a hundred years. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it, 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 it's not that easy. And people just think like, you know, I hope Mason Rudolph turns out to be a great quarterback. I honestly think he'll do very, very well in the league. Yeah. But my point is, Ben is not normal quarterback. He's a future hall of famer. 
Antonio Brown is not a normal wide receiver. He's a future True. Hall of Famer. True. You know, people are even saying Le'Veon Bell is a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. And I wouldn't. I, I mean, that'd be an interesting conversation. But he's mm-hmm. a he's a freak. He was a he tremendous is. player. So my thing is, you need to win now. You need to have that killer instinct to pull the trigger when you have to and make a move to better your football team. And there's no better move right now for the Steelers than acquiring Patrick Peterson from the Arizona Cardinals. Brad, excellent take. You're a treasure, man. Thanks for helping make this the best, most informative Steelers podcast on the internet, man. Thank you, thank you. Couldn't have done it without you. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us again for the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Stony Brewing. I'm G Stryker with my partner in crime, Brad Lambert, rooting along with you always, and go Steelers!